0: Hi, I'm Joanna Robinson. Join us every week on the Prestige TV podcast feed as your favorite ringer hosts like Bill Simmons, Van Lathan, Mally Rubin, Sean Fennessy, Chris Ryan, Juliet Libman, and many more cover the latest episodes of your favorite TV obsessions. From boardrooms to throne rooms to courtside and through the mushroom apocalypse, we'll be here throughout the week breaking it all down. Subscribe to the Prestige TV podcast feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
0: Now!
1: Hello, and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com. And joining me in the studio, better known as The Entity, it's Andy Greenwald! (laughs) Do you think of me that way? No, I think you would be a terrible AI, honestly. I would be the worst Like, if your consciousness was the one that was, like, inhabiting the AI, and we're talking about Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part 1 today, we're going to talk a little bit about Full Circle. We might talk a little Hijack. Yeah. I just wanted to get a... Temperature in the water here. Okay. And About the temperature what? is rising. Just you know, we're what a, you're dealing with today? Well, um I I personally think that you mm-hmm. have lots of qualities. Thank you. But um I don't think omniscience would be like your strong suit. <laughs> Scraping the the world of data and processing it doesn't seem like something you want to be doing with. I your don't.
0: Time. I would say that that at least um, performative omniscience is one of the jobs <laughs> of podcasts That's true. That's true. So I have no hesitation claiming some sense of omissions. No, I would be terrible at that. Chris, we have to get into the, all the content we have to discuss today, but I think there's something more pressing.
1: Well, I was going to ask. It's uh, I noticed that you've you've grown a Che Guevara beard. Uh-huh. Uh, many people can't see that. And I wonder, was that just strictly off of Fran Drescher's speech?
0: Fran Drescher's speech with the ether beat placed <laughs> under it, which I think you sent me.
1: Well, because we had this conversation on Thursday. Right. I think it got as our pods have gotten over mm. the last couple of weeks a bit dark at times. I don't see it that way, but go on. Uh and then uh Friday, mm-hmm. you know, as the as the actors walked out, mm-hmm. uh Fran Drescher who's the head of this the uh SAG, yeah. uh did this did this speech in front of, of a lot of press where she just let Bob Iger have it. She let the yeah. the, the big shots.
0: Uh, people know this by now, but it was kind of amazing because Duncan Crabtree Jones who is the chief negotiator Gave remarks, you know, telling everyone what everyone at that point knew was going to happen—that SAG-AFTRA um, was on strike and would be hitting. I think the it's lines Duncan
1: Crabtree Ireland. I think Duncan Crabtree Jones is like right. He plays that's right. Uh, holding midfielder for Southampton.
0: Also, he is my AI data scraped <laughs> mashup between the chief negotiator for SAG-AFTRA and the uh, and David Bowie's son, who directed the Warcraft film. Yeah. So. um See, and that's why we fight. A dishonest <laughs> podcast would fix that. Yeah, yeah, no. But we are transparent. No. Um, so he gave his whoever he was. He gave his remarks. <laughs> actually, he's really he's a really compelling figure, and he's on. Uh, he, he's on he's, your
1: second favorite podcast, Matt Bell and He's The Town.
0: My second favorite podcast actually is um, Wiser Than Me, hosted by Julia Louis Dreyfus, where she interviews older women about what they've learned. But my third favorite podcast, is I can't tell Indeed if you're town. being serious. I am being serious. That podcast. So rolls. number
1: one, Bill Simmons. Yeah. Number two, mm-hmm. wiser than me. Well, I, number three, Terry yeah. Gross, Fresh Air. Oh yeah. Number four is what? Maybe the, I'm listening the to town? a lot of the town, yeah. I am really
0: special when you're on
1: it. <laughs> right? So no need
0: no need to to, to take a shot at Shield and Reem. I love Shield Raheem <laughs> and Ben Solak. I just like when you're I listen to my guy. That's
1: nice. That's nice of you.
0: Um anyway, he he he's really good. He was on the town uh with Matt Bellamy last week, but after he finished speaking, Fran Drescher stepped to the mic, and it was the first of what would be many "Oh right, the actors are in now" <laughs> moments because she spoke <laughs> off the cuff, uh-huh. no prompter, just like just like Jay Z. Yeah, and uh, she she really brought it, and she was really compelling. And I'm like, this is this is a different this is a different animal now.
1: So that was my big topic for you. Yeah, I wanted to see how you were feeling about that. What are you? What did you want to talk about?
0: Oh no, I was feeling. I mean, I was uh, I was out there. Uh, Friday morning, and within minutes of arriving, it was, it was a little bit of a warm day, I would say. Yeah, it's in hot. Scenic Friday. Burbank, and um, the first, I was waiting for my friend Allison to meet me. We were gonna, we were gonna walk, and then I saw someone in full Mandalorian armor <laughs> with the microphone, like in his helmet, and people would be like, the the writers are walking by, being like, uh, and he was holding a SAG after sign, uh-huh. and he his companion
1: was well, was oh, it Pedro Pascal?
0: <laughs> it was the, as much Pedro Pascal as the actual Mandalorian, as far as okay. I know. And with him, his companion on the lines, also with a sag after sign was a woman who was like a lady greedo. And they were wearing like full leather, full cosplay. And I was like, this is different now. This is going to be cool.
1: (laughs) This is going to be cool. This is
0: cool. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, it was awesome. It was awesome because cool. there's so many more people out the energy is very different and i think this is this is going to change things yeah and I'm, I'm 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 pretty fired up about
1: it yeah i was at sun valley this weekend oh yeah what was the mood lots of people were talking about the uh the mandalorian guy outside of the disney gates they're like
0: guys what, <laughs> how, are we gonna, how are we gonna come back from this
1: <laughs> that guy has a code
0: that yeah. guy has a code um so yeah that's my update from the lines it's hot but it was it was, it was good it was okay warm uh, On Thursday, yeah,
1: we talked about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny.
0: No, wait, I know you wanted to actually do work, but I did. A, I wanted to bring this up because I might actually be relevant to our recent conversations that you've characterized as, uh, I believe, the word you used was dark. Yeah, a little bit. To me, when is it the most dark, Chris?
1: Before the dawn. That's right. No, yeah. before
0: my next podcast <laughs> when I make it darker. <laughs> Shout out Leonard Cohen. And uh, this weekend we were socializing. Yeah, I believe you were talking to uh, to a good guy, Alex, and he was. Was he? At, what was the framework of the conversation? Was it like, do you guys disagree on things like outside of the podcast? There was because there was some conversation about how we get along when we're not.
1: Oh, on, like, I don't remember. I don't remember what the prompt was, but it must have been that. Well, yeah,
0: because the next thing our I buddy knew, Alex
1: Natus we were talking to him, and he was like, somehow we got onto the subject of our of our life outside of these these walls. Oh, because he was studios. asking. I,
0: th- I think he was asking like if our music tastes aligned.
1: Oh, and I said no that I have. more And then you stepped tastes. away, and
0: he came over to me and said like Chris was talking about your music taste and i was like we're in lockstep
1: oh yeah because i said andy's more twee
0: yeah and i was like get back over here right now
1: (laughs) and i was like yeah that was probably
0: true in the late 90s but i think i'm a little edgier now not not compared to you know you you are more resolutely hardcore but then i think the conversation became do we disagree about other things because we often agree generally about about tv and movies and um and you were saying, for example, that your favorite pizza in Los Angeles is some Detroit nonsense. So Daddy. Yeah. And I gave you a look. Yeah. And can I quote you or do you want to say what you no, said? No, I don't
1: like how you uh you don't allow me to have like my <laughs> that's, things. That's it's what just you said. like, yeah. <laughs> I don't like how you you're you have like a very defined sense yeah. of aesthetics that I yeah. think applies to almost everything in the world. Right. And you like aren't like, oh, that's cool. You like that pizza? It's like Mm -mm. no, 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 no. And I'm just like, it's not your mouth. You're not eating the pizza. I wasn't angry.
0: I was just disappointed in you. Because it's Detroit style. (laughs) (laughs) But so you were saying, why can't I have this? And that was fair.
1: But then we're definitely in dog days of summer. People were escalating it. And
0: then they were like, well, could you guys somehow it became like, could you guys run something you make it podcast. sound like
1: we were fighting in the Coliseum and there were thousands of people cheering us on. It was Alex who was probably trying to figure out how much longer he had to st- stand there for that conversation. That's fair. <laughs> and then
0: Mallory came over to to make fun of your your socks. Yes. Yeah. Um and I took your side. Thank you. Yeah. But the bigger qu- the bigger point was could we run a bar together?
1: Well, the question was, that I posed, was like, would we be able to settle on a shared bar aesthetic? Aesthetic, right, if yeah. we were like, managing if you a Because like, we could
0: do it on a podcast.
1: Let's say... Um, Let's say your agent came to you and you. they were like, mm-hmm. Andy, we need to find another revenue stream that's <laughs> equally as dependable as screenwriting. Let's open a bar.
0: I had this phone call except <laughs> for the last part. Yeah.
1: And I was like, and you and I were going in on a, on a spot together. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot because in Philly, mm-hmm. uh, in my, my mother's neighborhood, no mm-hmm. less, is my favorite bar in America, Bad Brother. And it's it really made me think a lot about bar aesthetics i think they have the perfect bar aesthetic for my tastes right yeah. i was talking to you and we were really drilling down on what would cr and ag's mm-hmm. pint spectacular look like pint palace my thing so, is we agreed almost entirely like 95 percent, except down to like snacks i think we got it
0: well no we didn't disagree on snacks because we just didn't narrow it down we agreed on a lot of things like no fucking mixology yeah just you, fewer choices. You
1: said at one point when yeah. you were like talking about the snacks, you were like, "I would love a bowl of almonds and olives," and I gave you a straight up day of the Soldado look back. That's fair. I didn't say one. <laughs> I was saying
0: I said to my defense, I was like light. I want I would like there to be like one or two things done well. Mm-hmm. Or but then we we were like we both agreed like some good potato chips you can buy like at a pub in England that would be sure. Good. But then you, by the way, you were like a hot plate in the back with a guy making burgers. I was saying that's an option. It's a cool yeah, option,
1: like a flat, a flat top where a guy throws can throw down some some smash burgers. But no, but
0: my but my thing was no, and I feel like we agreed on this. No alterations. No like lettuce. You know what I mean? It's just like squishy bun cheeseburgers, and he'll make that for you. Sure. Yeah. Wet, with a lit cigarette in his mouth,
1: <laughs> like Jamie Lee in the bear.
0: <laughs> she's she's prepared. Jamie
1: Lee Curtis in the bear is our and, chef.
0: And and my favorite moment, and we'll move on from this because I do think I do think. The only thing we want to talk about, other than dead reckoning, which I'm very excited to talk about, is this bar. Yeah. Um, Alex was like, jukebox, and we both gave him the Detroit pizza look.
1: Yeah. Well, no. I, I first of all, like, my Detroit pizza look is
0: my look. two thumbs up. You gave him my look,
1: and I said, uh, I said, fuck no, I'm not interested That's in right. other people's ideas about what they want to listen to. Now, they, when they, I was they young, can open a bar. when yeah. I was young, and we would go to like boat or Great Lakes or mm-hmm. whatever, and the jukebox would be there, did yeah. I? Did I go on some legendary runs? You're damn right I did. But I'm pulling up the ladder, man. (laughs) Like, we're not fucking, we're not doing this. Like, when you see Nephew Kyle at Frolic Room, and he's like, I'm on song 52 of my run here, I'm like, that's not what I'm interested in, my experience being. I want the bartender to put on a playlist that he has decided is the vibe of the night. And we have the same vibe. We were like, we're going to play Tom Petty's Damn the Torpedoes every night three times
0: people <laughs> talk about your presence on the jukebox at commonwealth in like 2003 like they talk about gonzaga yeah in certain certain tournaments yeah. you know you just ran through it.
1: i invented the fucking mcconaughey smoking gift from true detective <laughs> because it was me the first time they started digitizing jukeboxes and i was just like plotting a goddamn icbm launch <laughs> were the days okay so <laughs> fucking archers of Loof, but then otis Redding, but then this <laughs> be on the lookout for
0: this be on the lookout for this just sorry we. We'll, this we'll is be- kai's
1: first time producing us and i'm sure he's enjoying himself quite a bit
0: oh did we tell him to start i thought we were starting now here's
1: what we're gonna do we're about nine minutes into this i feel bad on thursday i feel great you were like yeah we have a necrotic dying culture i said it And then on Thursday afternoon, (laughs) immediately after recording, you went and saw Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and texted me as soon as you got out of the theater, and you were like, can we start recording right now? We are fucking back. Hollywood's back. I I want you to let them know (laughs) we are back up. Um, I saw it Friday. Uh, I loved it. You know, I wanted to ask you something, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How can I be taken seriously?
1: Do you think that Mm -hmm. your reaction to those two films Mm -hmm. speaks to the thing that I was talking about that I don't think is even exclusive to you? It's this idea that we're swinging from these poles of it can either be the saving grace of cinema itself or the thing that is like planted inside of it to destroy it from within. Like, Was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning just really good?
0: We don't have a middle anymore
1: uh and when when you say we do you have a mouse in your pocket or what <laughs> do you have a mouse in your pocket who's we <laughs> america okay why would it be a mouse no you've like heard a, that phrase
0: like a little friend Somebody's
1: like we can't do this and it's like do you have a mouse in your pocket like I, I, i've like, never so, heard who has said that i think my wife okay i think it's like my that's a my, my wife thing
0: what that's incredible though the, 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 like i i i i would like to commission a full
1: <laughs> report,
0: a house report on this. The <laughs> like, point Jack Smith yeah. can investigate this because that is a wild phrase okay. that I'm into. Yeah, <laughs> But with the confidence with which you just said that yeah.
1: to me, yeah, okay.
0: completely, I think that you're right. Like if you guys sw-
1: think, do you have a mouse in your pocket is a cool phrase, at, send your replies to at Andy Greenwald on Twitter.
0: You'll get a vibrant response. Yeah. um, I think... Uh, yeah, I I think that that is one way to look at it, that everything is too extreme. It's either the best or the worst. That's both generally how I react to things, but also where we are as a culture, because there really aren't, there's not that much middle ground anymore. Yeah. In terms of, but not just in terms of um, uh, consensus, but in terms of quality. I also think that um, I thought that, I mean, yeah, I don't want to bury the lead. I thought Dead Reckoning was great.
1: It's bangers. It's, it's I th- great.
0: I thought it was great. And I thought it was great in a way that I'm interested in talking about specific to it, but then also, it made me. It reminded me how hard it is to make things that are good,
1: mm-hmm.
0: certainly on this level. But that quality, I think, does show and does win out. Um, and I think the reasons for doing things also also matter. You know,
1: tell me a little bit about your relationship to the franchise itself.
0: I have seen all. Have of you them. long
1: held it as like the crowning? No.
0: Yeah. No, and in fact, I feel like I'm certainly part of the larger conversation shift towards that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think when Macquarie took over in fifteen. Thank you. Yeah. I mean that's what that's what big picture hosts. No, call him. that's
1: what they call him on set. They're like McHugh came up with this idea like, that
0: McHugh. What do you got a mouse in your pocket? Yeah, right. Is that, is that the vibe on set? I wondered if that's like the way like Bill calls you CR, but I've never heard anyone else call you CR.
1: So like on set, a lot of people I think now do that, but not think, a lot of people. Like just in my life, like I feel like they do. Like like Amanda calls me CR sometimes. Yeah.
0: Amanda calls you CR.
1: Yeah. Go go ahead. What were you going to say?
0: Hold on, I got to text Amanda. <laughs> There was a huge shift both in the type of movies they were making and I think the the general vibe of them, but then certainly in the way that they were received. And I think that actually speaks to your original question, which is, did they did the movies get appreciably better? Or did they just maintain a level of quality that made them outliers? Yeah, that's a a good way of looking at necrotic development process. Did Hollywood Hollywood.
1: get so bad at making big movies that the fact that Mission Impossible remained good at making good movies, big movies? like make it into the shining city on the hill of of blockbuster filmmaking.
0: So I'm not sure. I, I think that these, these movies are, just broadly, I think they are good. And I don't think it's necessarily a comparison and a one-to-one thing. But my experience going whiplashing from Dial of Destiny to Dead Reckoning was really remarkable, not just in terms of my opinions about them on the podcast, but when I was watching Dial of Destiny, and there's car chase after car chase, and I feel nothing. Mm-hmm. And I just want to like look at my phone, but I would never do that in the theater. But in the same way that I would at like um, with, with the Marvel action scenes. It's like, oh, this oh, is time yeah. to power well, down for I mean for That's a while. like
1: comparing like, single-A baseball to like the 27 Yankees. Although or the
0: Clearwater Threshers are crushing it in the <laughs> Phillies. I sent you an article about it that I don't think you read. Uh, I, my, <laughs> but my point is about that, I, I was wondering in Dial of Destiny if it was me like am i just do i just not care about action sequences anymore
1: i understand what you're saying i think that you know it when you see it you know and it's like when when i watch john wick i'm like Stahelski is just operating at a different level than 99% of the other people and i think the, the, the other person in that 1% is mcquary there's and a his car, team.
0: there's a car chase relatively early on in on well, the streets of rome we're to spoiling that dead uh, reckoning,
1: reckoning part bone from now on
0: it is staged with such wit Uh and verve and style um and its coherence and more than anything my takeaway from the movie was that it felt like it had a real connection and connection to an understanding of what has historically made action movies compelling going back to the 60s like Hitchcock which I would you, you wouldn't necessarily call Hitchcock an action director but there's a sense of tension and 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 um and movement you know that I'm talking about and when you watch something like Dead Reckoning, there's all these cutaway shots to clocks. There's always clocks on things, and clocks makes you make you feel something. You have a sense of time. There are these establishing shots of what the physical space is, what's going to happen. You see it land on the characters' faces, what might happen yeah. in this time frame, if they don't, whatever. And you are drawn in, and you're drawn in, and when the characters are human or handcuffed together, or there's some other hijinks, like it awakens other senses other than just being beaten to a pulp with with spectacle. And it's a wonderful feeling to have that in the movie theater. You know, I, I, it it matters. And the entire, I, I mean, I, we can, I could be glib and being like I was all the way out and I'm all the way back in because I also saw the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer <laughs> and the Oppenheimer trailer. Yeah, they showed and the Do-2 trailer. 2, and yeah. I was like, oh, this is sick. Yeah. Hollywood's awesome. Yeah. But it made me feel really good that these things can still be made. But it also, it, it reminded me, A, how hard it is to make good things. And and we can talk about what we think it might take to do those things, but also just how especially hard it is to make good things in an atmosphere um, that does not necessarily encourage or support those good things.
1: You know, it was interesting coming out of this weekend because there has been some chatter about the disappointing domestic performance of this movie and that right. it was like underperforming and if not even Tom Cruise can open a movie, like what are we doing and... I think that when you go back and if you look at like some of the numbers and I'm not like particularly beholden to these and nor am I do, do I give a shit honestly but Mission Impossible actually is much more of a global franchise like here it does about 250 and then everywhere else it's relatively else, modest yeah everywhere everywhere movies. else is where like I mean and that also suggests why they shoot it in Abu Dhabi and then they shoot it in London and then they shoot it in you know in Ghost Protocol they have you know, a huge India sequence. Like it does very well around the world. It is a global franchise. I think that it takes care to have a kind of like flattened geopolitics, where like the Russians are typically like the bad guys, but then it's more like usually like secret syndicates of the
0: Russians were super victims spies. of the entity too. But uh, it's true.
1: R.I.P. All the guys on the Sevastopol.
0: They really thought they dodged one. <laughs> they had a brief moment we did it there was a lot of that
1: um i'm trying to i so i'm trying to pick at something here that i've been having a hard time articulating which is basically that um you know when ghost protocol came out which mm-hmm. is the brad bird movie and especially when rogue Nation came out i think by the time fallout came out we had sort of established like this revived fascination with this franchise and with tom Cruise as the last action hero kind of thing Th- that's
0: when that really that narrative really took hold and i was interested to see that in the sort of uh, adjacent chatter to this movie coming out, Fallout is considered to be the best of them.
1: Yes, and I think I've seen some people say like it. It would be impossible for it to reach the heights of Fallout because you probably die as a human being making Fallout again. Right. But uh, when Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation came out, I kind of felt like it, those movies almost like were in the zone of like the Edge of Tomorrow, like where it was like real heads know these are good, mm-hmm. but for the most part they are one of a huge buffet of movie choices that you had in the mid to 2010s Mm -hmm. right or the early 2010s and ghost pro definitely was like after a dormant period after mission impossible 3 and i think it was like getting its footing and there's the whole like jeremy renner part of ghost protocol Mm -hmm. where it's like are they turning this over and then midway decide nope nope uh, and then Rogue Nation is is quite cool, um, and it, very convoluted, but quite cool. And then obviously Fallout is Fallout. As the movies start to go through the, um, uh, you know, obviously like the I wouldn't want to say death rattles, but as the movies start to really become shaky as time goes on, now this film has taken on this sort of outsized importance. Where I fucking love this movie, but this movie. Is almost like a self-erasing algorithm when you're watching it. Like, do you remember that there's like a whole sequence in the desert in this movie by the time you get to the 90th minute of this movie?
0: Oh, I remember nothing about any of the movies.
1: Right. Because it actually, as a story, as a narrative, it's not like one plus one equals two in this movie. It's 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 basically like listening to a playlist of a movie. It's like greatest hits well, of a movie.
0: And it takes whatever it needs and discards the rest. So in this movie, in part seven for the first time it suggested that Ethan, part seven
1: part one part yeah. one
0: that Ethan Hunt had a life before the first movie yes and yeah. it retcons this Isai Morales character as a villain that's haunted him his Gabriel. whole life yeah um,
1: Gabriel, I can't wait to talk about Gabriel before I watch
0: um, it, it, it basically dismisses the Michelle Monaghan marriage plot which was resolved in the last one it, I mean, it well yeah because
1: they've done they've done a bunch of Bondian kind of like writing in like Michelle, Michelle Monahan is dead for most of Ghost Protocol, but then is back, and then she... And she's back at the end of Fallout. And then she's back at the but, end of Fallout. But
0: my, I, I guess, I mean, there are a couple reasons, I think, before we get into the specifics as to why I really think these movies are good. One of which is, it absolutely... this is I think this is Cruz and McHugh. I'm going to try it. doesn't feel great, but I'll try it. Um, absolutely know what movie they're making yeah. and what movies they're not making. Yeah. And because of that, The ratio of emotional, I do this for my friends with just almost, almost like utilitarian expositional conversational dumps versus just action. Like it's correct. You know, this movie takes itself just seriously enough to land, but it is light on its feet. You know, that's very hard to do. And I think it understands that. Another idea that's occurring to me almost as we're talking is in a moment when filmmaker after filmmaker walks into marvel and then does the press circuit and something that we love to make fun of where they're like well you know this is really our parallax view uh-huh. or secret invasion is our lacare story in the MCU you know all the things that they that they themselves probably do like that they claim they are they are riffing on or whatever mission impossible might be the only actually film literate franchise right. of the modern era not just because it was it almost began as an attempt to bring in Film POVs, right? The first movies of the An
1: sensibility with yes. a franchise's it's, legs. It's yeah. De
0: Palma, it's Woo, and then it was JJ Abrams and Brad Bird. And you know, even if the last two don't necessarily match up to the first two, they have very specific aesthetics that they brought to the the franchise. Yeah. Um the thing that McQuarrie seems to do, and I haven't I don't really know that much about him. I've listened to him on podcasts, including talking to Sean, and he's very erudite and witty about how these things get made. He clearly, like Tom Cruise, loves movies. And so when he sets the beginning of this one in a submarine, you know he had a blast rewatching Hunt for Red October and Crimson Tide and whatever else, and maybe Kelsey Grammer film Up Periscope or Down I'm sure Periscope, I think being, that was the prequel.
1: Yeah. And he Tarantino's he, print of that, though, he, you have to watch
0: that. At the New Beth at too, 10 a.m. Yeah. He, he, he's excited to play with that mm-hmm. and bring it to the franchise. The finale of this movie and the train is legitimately breathtaking and thrilling, and does make people are like, oh, it's a thrill ride. When I go on thrill rides uh, at amusement parks, usually the, the best ones make you laugh. Like you cannot believe you have a loop-de-loop or whatever. That scene made me laugh because it was so exciting and it was classy and it had like a sense of filmic storytelling and language that in a classy, you know, it just, he's doing that. Yeah. It is It is aware that it is a movie in a really exciting way. It's not just saying I, I you know, I had open AI scrape what is movie and then showed up to set. It
1: was, it was interesting because, so obviously Andy and I are spoiling now some major char- pl- plot points of this film. So if you haven't seen it, I think we'll, we we can not discuss it anymore without mm-hmm. really revealing some stuff. And I wanted to get to one that's sort of the main spoiler of the movie, which is the scene in Venice where uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character, is- Ilsa, gets killed. Right. Although I've seen some speculation that they're going to try it and that, that she's going to be revived somehow. Um, I found myself like deeply moved by that scene. First of all, it's just incredibly well orchestrated and operatic. and like mm-hmm. these two people like having a uh, like a sword fight on a bridge in Venice as Ethan is misdirected by an AI that's, taken over his comms so he keeps getting sent down the wrong alley and around the wrong corner and, and,
0: and not just any bridge like the best bridge it's just like the when, the when the car chase is in rome and they're always in front of the coliseum somehow it's like use this yeah don't just go to atlanta and be in a volume
1: do this she gets felled by isai morales's mm. car- character gabriel uh who is working for the entity i have a lot of a lot of follow-ups about that and i was like Fuck, this is like really amazing. Like this is like some Sergio Leone, like beautiful showdown shit. And I was like, who the fuck is Ilsa? Like I was like, <laughs> I don't like, remember. Like, let me, either. like No, I let me tell you something. I have watched multiple times within the last three years, mm-hmm. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Fallout. And, and I've seen this once. I don't know that even I who actually cares about like trying to be like, what did the syndicate want? And how did he pretend to be John Lark? and all this other stuff i don't really know like who also was and also like i'm sad that she's dead but they it was just one of those things where it's like you can have almost every gesture towards like you can get very far on gesture alone without actually having the baseline of like oh the audience has developed this like multi-year relationship to this complicated character who's yes. always playing her allegiances one way or the other and you're never sure where she is but she seems to have finally righted the ship and right then as she sacrifices herself for the greater good like that's when she loses and I, I was like yeah you know I guess I guess I, I get it on that level and I'm obviously very like emotionally invested in this scene but I actually have no idea why she went to the bridge other than it was written by the entity that it would happen. But
0: also that's what movies are good at. Yeah. Like, one of the things that has broken movies if not entertainment is the comic book sensibility of everything has a backstory and there's an asterisk in the word bubble that says remember that dear readers from avengers 271 who cares some people and that's great for them and that's a fun rabbit hole to go down but you don't actually need to know these things because visual storytelling can compel you without the burden of too much information Mm -hmm. and i think they understand that very 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 clearly you know that that um we understand Everything we need to understand about the Ilse Faust-Ethan-Hunt relationship when they stand at a balcony in Italy for 20, not even for 12 seconds. seconds—yeah, 12 seconds that, you know, I'm sure in a different franchise or in a different moment, that would be the first thing that would be advised, you'd be advised to cut. You have that moment and they're there together. We get it. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Fine. Anybody could walk into this movie and get that that's a tragedy. And the other reason is because it's Rebecca Ferguson. And she's and, good. And that scene in, by the way, one of my favorite subgenres of movie scenes is um, AI future raves. Uh, anytime, anytime there's a big party where yeah. people like in pansexual robes are raving, yeah. I am all in. And I love it. And this one was, the DJ was an AI? Terrific. <laughs> Terrific. In that scene, you have, you have our guy TC and and Isai as, as Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And you also have um, Rebecca Ferguson, mm-hmm. you have Haley Atwell, mm-hmm. you have Vanessa Kirby and yes, Palm Clemente, who might be the MVP of the movie. Yeah. So you have all four of them. Yeah. They're all awesome. Yeah. And it's an embarrassment of riches because again, like Macquarie's casting people who are really, really, really good and going to be good at this and not to take unfair backward shots. But like, I don't know about the, I don't know about Palm because French is her native language, but though she's very good in guardians as mantis. The other three, um, any of the other three, I think, would have been better in Dial of Destiny than the beloved Phoebe Waller Bridge.
1: Hmm. I'd be- really thought about them,
0: uh, not because I don't love Phoebe Waller Bridge. It's that I do think that being an a contemporary action star
1: is, it, is, in it of it is is a skill. skill set. Yeah, right.
0: it's a skill set to be Haley Atwell and to be to be clever and charming and also fierce and and balletic mm-hmm. and able to pull off these things in a certain way. Ferguson is the best at it, maybe. Um, and I like, again, that even when they make Mission Impossible, they respect what it is that they are doing. They are not looking down on it, but they are casting up towards it. And I feel like that was really just baked through throughout the entire thing.
1: I've been thinking a lot about the mechanics of modern blockbusters and action movies specifically because my other favorite film of the year so far is probably John Wick Chapter 4. I mean, I talked about it on The Big Picture with Sean and Amanda. It's not dissimilar from Dead Reckoning in that it is essentially a two and a half hour collection of truly awe-inspiring like take me to the temple and show me this uh, action scenes with relatively sleepy or forgettable uh, chamber dialogue scenes. And the the, it's an inversion of what like kind of movies sort of are supposed to be in some ways, where it's like these giant sort of set pieces like subsume the rest of the film. So that I do think it's like pretty enjoyable to just kind of sit there and every twelve minutes, you have your mind blown. but in between, it's going to be Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames being like, we're doing it because we're friends, because we believe in you, Ethan. And you're just like, whatever. You know, I could, I honestly, like, this is cool, but like the idea of trying to like divine, like some kind of like through line of their, you know, what their friendship is and what they mean to each other. I,
0: I am generally contemptuous of this idea, but I actually would be interested in the Paramount Plus prestige drama that just tells the story of Luther's life in between the well, movies he, since 1996? Somebody 1996.
1: should do the Luther cut where it's just Luther's scenes throughout like throughout these movies.
0: Didn't... Um, where did I read somewhere that like it's possible that Ving Rhames has not been filmed standing up? I know. <laughs> since 2010. <laughs> that, that Tom
1: Cruise was like, look, buddy, you're never going to have to stand in a movie again. Or,
0: I got you. I think be in a movie yeah. other than these. He's, has a, I, I'm sure he has a great
1: life. Yeah. I mean, he gets to travel the world. He gets to travel the world. He gets to sit in vans yeah. all over the place. Um, so my point was more just that, like, when you think about a film like, say, War of the Worlds, another Tom Cruise film directed by Steven Spielberg that has five or six amazing jaw-dropping sequences there's also this incredible investment in the relationship between Tom Cruise and his kids as they try to repair their relationship on this road trip to get from New York to Boston, um, which you know you and I have done that trip and we've had we similar. Haven't, we haven't repaired shit, you know. So shout out to Steven Spielberg. For this doing bar that. is going to be a reality show. <laughs> um, and yeah, so did we have we quote unquote lost that the ability to make a movie? like that or like the fugitive where oh, you're as equally you invested in Dr. Richard Kimball as you are Dr. Richard Kimball jumping off a dam. Yes, I think we have lost a little bit of our because I don't know that they really I mean like, you know, part of it is part of it is that McHugh apparently does a lot of like, we'll figure it out when we get to set, you know, and we're gonna oh, we're yeah. gonna write this movie as we go. Haley Atwell's talked about like I didn't really know who this person was. They kind of cast me for me. We did a lot of stuff that's not in the movie. We did stuff on the day of that I didn't like that I then had to like revise.
0: Also, remember everyone's like, it's going to be great for Paramount because they're going to knock these sequels out and just film them back to back. Yeah. And they started filming this one in like 2019, 2020. And the uh, first headline when the SAG strike hits is that Mission Impossible 8 stops.
1: Oh my God, are they still shooting it? Yes. Oh, fuck.
0: <laughs> still shooting it. Um, so it's maybe not cost effective. To your point, you're asking the right question, I think, in terms of what, we should expect from our entertainment. I would argue that something like um, Spider-Man: No Way Home, which you know, I think generally we would be castigating because we are looking for something that can, we we're looking for a movie that can do both that isn't uh big franchise or like big IP. But that movie did. Mm-hmm. I was I was compelled, you know, and that's the, that's the secret sauce of Spider-Man as a character that I cared about Peter and MJ and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think ultimately it's not fair to expect that of Mission Impossible because again Mission Impossible knows what it is and it is the cinematic manifestation of Tom Cruise's mania. Yeah. He's just a he's a piston and this is the train car and we, that scene when the 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 locomotive goes off the exploding bridge and it's you know it's little, little gears are pumping I'm like that that scene looks like Tom Cruise running. Yeah. Um yeah. so a Tom Cruise movie War of the Worlds, you know, is an outlier. It's also more of a Spielberg movie than it is a Tom Cruise movie necessarily. This is a Tom Cruise movie, and he's he is doing. This I guess that's, for us. that's a
1: good point. He hasn't made movies with. He, you know, he spent a lot of the the nineties and aughts making films with the biggest filmmakers, mm-hmm. with the with Paul Thomas Anderson and Steven Spielberg and all these people. He was just working with all the great directors. And as various different uh, things have happened over the course of his life, and and. I think he lives a different kind of life now. Mm -hmm. He works with Christopher McQuarrie. On everything. On on everything. And I think that he's like his own industry unto himself. You know? Um, What life after Dead Reckoning Part 2 means is for him. And if he doesn't make another Top Gun and he takes a break from Mission Impossible, like, do we get Tom Cruise acting in a normal movie again? I don't know.
0: It's really curious what will be next because you you, you can't say no to him for anything. He will not stop. So any suggestion that these are the capper of these movie series
1: i don't believe yeah but he's gonna be in his 60s he is in his 60s i mean like he's He's gonna be in his late later 60s once they if they were like let's do another one i don't know how much longer he can do this kind of movie i wanted to ask you a couple of things first of all you know the train sequence i think is obviously one that we'll think about and and diagram for the rest (laughs) of our lives so good what was your what was another like i i personally was super into the abu dhabi airport Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like I was thought fun. that was great. Shea Wiggum was awesome in that scene. Shea
0: Wiggum is awesome in the movie. Like we're look, we're big Shea heads here. Yeah, right. He's he is entered that zone where he's good in everything, and you're always happy to see him. But again, that's just smart casting. Like that's you want that to be the guy chasing him with that look. I have a lot of questions about his wardrobe, <laughs> which was just like it was just like Talbots plus like well, Talbots I, athletic. I want
1: to know about Gabriel just showing up to like train fights in Banana Republic.
0: Uh did you see his kerchief collection <laughs> both words spelled with a k? Yeah. He looked immaculate.
1: I'm sure like but, it's much more expensive than banana, but, like, but but
0: yeah, I'm glad you brought you you mentioned the Abu Dhabi thing though because it is all the types of things we love in movies in one movie. The Abu Dhabi piece? The Abu Dhabi piece is crucial. It's crucial. Um yeah, cuz that is you know that that's fun spycraft shit and then there's the car chase that is both incredible car chase but it's also comedy cuz they're in the little yellow car. Um, it feels celebratory. It did not feel turgid and long to me. I yeah. love that. Um, I also got to say, shout out Henry Cherney. incredible bringing my guy back. I
1: fucking love the green powder explosion scene with Delaney and, and Adir Varma and like that that and whole, Mark and, and Charles Parnell. Yeah, and
0: my guy Charles Parnell, <laughs> just like just and by the way. I, at this point in his career, Tom is just like, "Let's just do solids to all my buddies from the '80s." So, Isai Morales is the villain. Uh-huh. Carrie Elway's, yeah, as the uh, secret or the head of director national of Security, national
1: intelligence or
0: whatever it is. Um Who cares? It's great. It's a great scene. Um But Henry Cherney, like, had it for a minute. Was always that guy. Was he in clear and present danger or something? Like, he was always. He's
1: he's always this. He's the bureaucrat, evil bureaucrat.
0: Yeah, and. and he had a 30, almost 30-year 30 hiatus,
1: and they bring him back, and great.
0: He's yeah. great at this. Nobody delivers those, those like, just chewy speeches like he does about the nature of what it is that we do.
1: Can we unpack the entity and Gabriel for a second? Oh,
0: God. This is this is when we might go a little wobbly.
1: So, Gabriel has been a presence in Ethan's life sure. for more than 30 years, where he killed another agent who maybe Ethan was involved o- with named Maria.
0: Or, we learned that Ethan was a criminal, before he was given a choice to give up his life of crime but also his life
1: and become an IMF agent and,
0: and that may have come post gabriel
1: right okay possibly i well okay and then gabriel was not working for a fledgling AI at that time, I imagine. Can you imagine? Since he, that's way more Nokia wave era. You he know, had like, an
0: Apple Newton. <laughs> and he's just holding it to his ear like, Hold like on, a seashell. I need
1: to plug into the mail. I, I need to get my DSL. My information is on the BBS. <laughs> right. <laughs> the entity is, is sending me an AOL instant message. Yeah. <laughs> the entity says um, I have mail. But then... Are we supposed to kind of, did you view Gabriel as a kind of true believer character the way Sean uh, Harris's character was in the like or kind of, I guess right? I guess, sort of, Sean Harris' character was in the previous two well, films.
0: Well, first of all, Sean Harris's character in the previous two films. What more can I say about him? Um, do you know who I'm a, talking about? He was a true believer. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing we'll definitely say about him. He was very, very... Why do um, you sound
1: like the manager of the Cincinnati Reds? Like, repeating my... Do you know who I'm talking about? I... I broadly, he yeah. was
0: the villain. Yes. Um, I guess you could say he was, he was committed to his core beliefs. Do you think
1: that Isai Morales has... He's evil in his own right, but do you think right. that, like, the entity... Right, like, what's his what's his like so compensation great. package <laughs> like cares. with the entity? That's what I'm just asking. It's
0: so great when he's like, they're like,
1: the thing about Gabriel is
0: he loves to hurt. <laughs> like, oh, did, did you just come up with that on set? Um, <laughs> he's a ghost. Remember, uh, like, you can't you can't see him on the uh, software. No, I, again, this idea that there's just a rogue computer that's mad about shit. Okay, yeah, fine. Like, let's just move on. And I think that's what the movie does so well. Drive
1: this fucking Fiat into my face. That's the
0: only reason. These movies do not exist to teach us collectively a lesson about the perils of AI driving nuclear subs. Yeah. I feel like we're good. We're good on that.
1: One of the reasons why most of those action scenes work, especially the Rome car chase, Mm -hmm. is that Palm Clemente is actually acting her action. Like, she actually has a character mm-hmm. in those... I mean, and her character might just be like, I am strangely vibing on the fact Shh. that I am driving a Humvee at your fucking face. She wants to break stuff. But it's awesome. She's so good in this movie. Do you think... If it had just been Esai Morales, mm-hmm. be like, Ethan, mm-hmm. you have come to the place that we always knew you would come God, to. He's really handsome, though. He's beautiful man. But, like, if that had just mm-hmm. been the vibe and there wasn't someone who was like, I have slick back, mm-hmm. peroxide hair and I like to fucking drive my truck over stuff.
0: What, what I think you're saying... She has more has
1: fucking gemstone energy.
0: <laughs> I think what you're saying is she likes your tracks on her 4th of July playlist more than she likes my tracks. Yeah. She, she likes post-hardcore a lot. <laughs> like, that's the vibe she's giving off. <laughs> no, they're Yeah, I agree with you broadly, because the, the, the ethos of this movie is we don't take any plays off we don't we don't like just throw away a, an opportunity or a character or a story or a plot you know we just everything is turned up yeah and it knows and it knows what it is you know and i i, I don't want to get super grandiose about it because i just loved it and that's a fun experience um but i i do think if you pinpoint or if, if i did this everyone has their own taste matrix but if i like made a mood board of the ten movies that I've come on, I've seen, and come on this podcast to say I absolutely fucking love this movie and I'm hype about it, um, and they would range from Spider Verse to the Nicole Hollisenter Center movie to Tar to Mission Impossible. I feel like people <laughs> they, would be like, "You are really, not a focus group."
1: They really are only ten movies. I've only seen ten movies. That is correct. <laughs> yeah,
0: but the reason I I point this out is because a common thread in those would be they absolutely have a deep aesthetic and creative understanding of what they are. And they push all the way in on being that thing, which is the antithesis of we have a superhero movie scheduled for release on June 25th. Mm-hmm. That's, that's simply what it is to me, you know? And, and no matter how many Butterworths you throw at an expensive movie project, um, if the reason for the movie existing is a corporate release so, date what's or a Butterworth? mandate. Well, there were two butterworths writing on Dial of Destiny. Oh, Jez. And for I got me. You. Okay. Yeah. For me. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Chris. It's like uh it's like, do you have a mouse in your pocket? Got, gotcha. This is just a phrase. <laughs> How that many I,
1: butterworths do you got in the pocket? I,
0: <laughs> well, I I it is a it is a it is in the Kathy Kennedy who runs Lucasfilm playbook, right? Which is if there's a problem, you throw talent at it. Mm-hmm. Which has worked historically in Hollywood. <laughs> sure. you know? yeah. Uh I, I don't mean to make light of that as an instinct, but you have if you're going to make an Indiana Jones movie, and then she just pushes all of these talented people into it to try to make the best of it, you're not gonna end up with the best of anything. You're gonna end up with what you end up with. You know? It's just it's a it's just a different way to make movies, but I don't know if that is a way to make movies that is um sustainable for the way these companies work and the way people see movies, and bring it all to bring it full circle, it's it's bizarre to me the the narrative that, oh well, this is actually a failure, this movie. Um it 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 didn't save hollywood for the second straight year it didn't end the strike it didn't end the strike the day it began for the actors but it's like can anyone do, what what can you know what i mean it just it just feels like there are a lot of very very heavy Hardy. conversations being <laughs> possibly but there are a lot of very heavy questions being thrown around all the time about the fate of theatrical and blah 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 this one movie can't do all of it and as you said McHugh just getting to Rome, being like, I'm just catching a vibe here. Yeah. yeah. $600 million later for two movies. That might not well, be a way either. Well, I think the they had to shut either. it down
1: a bunch of times. I mean, obviously, like th- that film was like r- yeah. right in the like, mouth of the lion when it came to COVID stuff.
0: Yes. But still, it might not be uh, a repeatable. way. I mean, we said this last week. This might just be singular. Yeah. But God, it made me really happy.
1: To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for more details. What do you want to talk about? Would you like to talk about Full Circle Episode 2, or would you like to just touch on hijack? I do have a hijack point I'd like to I think we to should
0: you. touch on both. I think going from... Our action brain to TV action brain and hijack is not bad.
1: You know how it, like when you're watching Mission Impossible and you're just like, I'm not even gonna really try to kind of fill in the blanks here or make this make sense because what what are we talking about? You know. So last night I was watching Hijack. I was watching episode three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fucking really like the show a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I am mesmerized like this is like an old school Harrison Ford performance from Idris Elba like I'm starting to get like a little distracted where I'm like "Uh, if you just want to sit in your plane seat and badger the guy next to you for the entire time like that is actually entertaining television but all the stuff that happens in this show so my my wife was like half watching and she would like look at her phone and then she would look up and then she'd be like well why haven't they done this and I was like they actually addressed that like it is pretty watertight so far Right, as crazy as it is, I don't know, I'm sure episode maybe you've watched episode four or five, and I like it's gonna get like less explained or like you know a little bit more high like far fetched but so far, and the three episodes that I've seen,
0: I mean, there are things like the pilot they catch the pilot chatting with another passenger while playing a pirate game, and they're like, "Who are you talking to?" And then he says nothing, and they hit him with a gun, and they forget to ask him again,
1: yes. Right. There's a little right. water
0: leaking through there.
1: Okay, yeah. But
0: it doesn't, that doesn't bother me. Right. I, I guess what I'm saying is...
1: They I, could also just have somebody... The pilot could just be in the cockpit with a guy with a gun to his head the entire time, and he could be like, don't you change the course. Yes. Every it's, time it's they a radio, it's, say something. It's a TV show. I'm it's just saying movie. that whole, the whole thing with the blanks, Yeah, I was like, this that's is cool. pretty cool. I thought... That's where I want to start. Sorry, I mean, I, I, if, and I, this is for episode three I, on. I, like, I hope people are watching iJack.
0: I guess I would say... My argument for why I like the show isn't that it's 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 accurate to the lived experience of hijacking, you know, or or that they've, they've thought of everything. I think they thought of enough, and the rest they get by with Gumption and Nidra Elba. Yeah. And didn't you guys have a word on Big Picture for this type of movie? Like the Gerard Butler movies? Sky Trash. Yeah. I mean, isn't this Sky Trash?
1: It, it feels more like a British thriller in the air to me. Yeah. I think a lot of what we're seeing is essentially like a very well-done, however many, I think it's like six episodes. Six episodes. A very well-done six-episode British thriller that they then put jobs money on, and so they were able to get the fucking full Dubai air set. And so it's just, Kingdom 2-9 is like, it feels enormous, but for the most part, there's a version of this show that's just Archie Punjabi running around London Yes. Being like, I'm on the phone, I'm on the phone, I'm on the phone. It, the
0: phone. it does have the, the energy of some of the BBC shows. Like, it's not like on, like, Vigil. Box. I agree. It just has a bigger budget and a yeah. bigger star. I agree. I, um, it, you know, similar to what I was saying about movies, like, I just feel like they knew what they were making. Yes. And they enjoy what they're making, and there's no nose, they're not holding their nose about any of it. Like, this is the type of story that it is, so let's go. And I find it really entertaining, really compelling, enjoying it much more than I thought. I felt like we'd just check it out on a lark.
1: I wanted to ask you a question. It's fun. And I don't mean to make light of any kind of hijacking situation. No, God forbid. But since we're talking about a show called Hijack, I thought Mm -hmm. I'd throw this hypothetical at you. Right. Were you to be on Kingdom 2-9? What was
0: I... Can I I get a little background for my character? What was I doing in Dubai? (sighs)
1: Stopping over on... uh, Like, it's like you're your connection from oh. maybe you were going to Asia, maybe maybe you're going to a Safari. I don't I don't know.
0: Maybe there was an art fair that I wanted to check out, you know, sure in Dubai.
1: Yeah. So you're in Dubai, you make mm-hmm. your connection. I'm gonna put you in premium economy.
0: Is that like comfort plus? Yeah. Like I'm not like gonna like I give, get a sandwich. I'm not giving
1: you Delta one, but I'm giving you like a nice, nice enough seat. Okay. So middle of the plane. Right. Towards first class, not in coach, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When do you start, like, I guess I'll just read my book, or I'll, maybe I'll I'll watch Inception. Like, when would you start to be like, I'm thinking about anything else but what's happening?
0: I, thank you for this question. <laughs> I've spent 40% of my time watching the show running through some scenarios. Yeah. Um, kind of like Doctor Strange at the end of uh, Infinity War. Yeah. You know? And, um... Finally, in episode three, I did feel represented on screen because I, we do see a woman who is just furiously trying to listen to, he- to a headspace meditation yes. app. <laughs> that's what I would do. Because the usual avenues towards <sighs> blacking out reality were not available to yes. me. I don't believe the beverage service had begun and I don't know what kind of, uh, how robust the mixology program in air from a Dubai flight is going to be anyway. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So that's not going to be possible for me. Um, the guy, the bloke, in 18C with the pills, I don't think he's near me. <laughs> you know, so I don't feel like I can get anything from him. So I would definitely be scrolling through. But he collected the phones, didn't they?
1: Yes. They, they, no, no phones, no Wi-Fi. So I, I imagine maybe movies aren't playing. I don't know.
0: But well, on some airlines, they have like an audio component in the onboard entertainment. Know, they,
1: they have some Ringer Pods on, on some some planes. Yeah, they have yeah. some
0: Ringer Pods. Yeah.
1: Just
0: <clears throat> <To> some. <laughs> um... And they have a couple like Headspace meditation apps, but I feel like none of them would be relevant to so you're being hijacked at this moment. But I would do that. What would you do? Uh, You're you're a pretty chill flyer.
1: I'm a chill flyer, but I am like, I like to stretch my legs and I like to go, honestly, take a leak. You know, like I just like if I'm like, if you're gonna be sitting for that long, I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna get up and go to the bathroom, just walk a little bit. So I think that the hostility mm-hmm. that the hijackers are uh exhibiting towards anyone needing anything like say insulin mm-hmm. would probably be a neg for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it would be a mark in the in the con column. But uh yeah, I was trying to figure out like at what point would my like undiagnosed ADD kick in and I'd just be like, "Well, I guess I'm just going <laughs> to start writing down every Premier League player I can think <laughs> of or whatever." Yeah, it,
0: uh, it I wouldn't be at my best.
1: No, I don't think so. I also, we both were flying together. We could really get a lot of planning done on our bar. Well,
0: it's interesting because wasn't, <laughs> like, didn't recently, like, Sean and Amanda flew together? Yes. Like, next to each other? Yes. On a long flight. For a, a 10-hour flight. And I think they were both, I think they had a great time because they're friends. Yes. But also, there was a moment, right, where they were like, maybe we have different flying energies. I feel like we could get through it, even with our disparate flying energies. But if this now, happens... No, you and I would be would fine. Would, we're
1: both only children. We would sense, we would have like subterranean understanding mm-hmm. of when the other needed to go and do the thing. Yeah, that's probably true. That's beautiful.
0: I, I also think that our general strategy would be different from the guy in episode three who really zagged. Oh, because, that guy is such a
1: cuck. The one. Yeah. No, which guy? <laughs> oh, no, not that. The guy's like, let's find the blanks. Like, I bet we can just rush these dudes. Actually, I'm not going to do that.
0: But also, I'm very good at making myself throw up on command. Sure. Respect. I could do that. Could you do that?
1: Yeah. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. If somebody had a gun to my head, I'd be able to make myself throw up.
0: I mean, I would throw up
1: constantly. What a weird pod. Because
0: the gun to my head. (laughs) No, no, I meant the guy who's just like, oh no, uncle is dying. Oh yeah. And cut to uncle, clearly dying. And he's like, uncle needs his insulin. They're like, ask the other Muslim guy. And he's like, cool. And he stands up and he's just like, I'm getting this insulin, asshole.
1: <laughs> That's not how the scene went. It
0: essentially does. He's like, hey, I'm getting he's this. He's
1: like, sir, can I get the insulin? He's like, sit the fuck down. Right,
0: but then when he decides to get the insulin, he isn't like, I know we discussed this and you told me to, and I quote, sit the fuck down, but like my uncle's dying, look at him, you know, yeah. guy to guy. Instead, he gets up and he's like, I'm doing this shitbag. Like yeah. he's real That aggressive. would not be you.
1: Well, I mean, no. I don't have an uncle. But I mean, like, it's his uncle. It's yeah, his... I do have an uncle, but I wouldn't like, I mean.
0: Wow. You don't no, I have an, have an uncle, uncle,
1: but I don't travel with him. So I don't know. What, <laughs> is the uncle. Of,
0: what is the level of familial connection that would get you up at gunpoint? You know what I mean? Like an uncle? Mm. A parent, yeah. Co-bar manager. A, biz- a
1: business partner. Also, no child would crawl through the aisles. Speaking of family, I wanted to ask you about episode two, Full Circle. Yeah. A tale of two families. But well, we're coming back ways. to Hijack, right? Yeah, eventually. Great. Yeah. We're really enjoying it. Uh, what did you think of the second episode? because um, we had talked about it yes. I had watched the two you had just seen the first one you were like this is sick second one Charger which is essentially it's a very short very nail-biting episode of very confusing stuff like so I think that it helps actually to watch two and think of it as the second part of the first episode and also that it, this will all sort of start to be revealed as the season goes on
0: I, I was interested I understand why they put two up mm-hmm. Um, Because they very much are parts one and part two of something, um, and and have different energies. Because one is very expansive and in, in expanding the circle, if you will. And yeah. Two is much more focused. I will say, and I hope this isn't controversial, that my only slight, 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 slight criticism of episode two is that I didn't understand a single fucking thing that happened. Right. Do you think that's a problem? I don't.
1: Like when you were like, w- "Why did this? Who is this guy who just died of a heart attack playing chess?"
0: That was the least of my concerns. Okay. I. Genuinely, genuinely did not understand what any of them were doing or why. Like I understood what Timothy Oliphant was doing. I understand. I understood that part. And they got the money and they signed the autograph and what they thought they were doing. They were working hard to save a kid that they didn't know. And, and, or maybe they didn't know as we learned at the the conclusion. The everything coming from Mrs. Mahabir Uh and her rice circle and Garvin comes and they. They have a they they think someone is a rat, but they shoot someone. Yeah. But then also the acupuncturist sister has the bike in the place that they none of them knew they were going, but they're going, and so they shoot the dummy. So maybe I understood it. I mean, it,
1: that's essentially what happened. It is it is a really really it's one of the most complicatedly plotted <laughs> shows that I have maybe ever seen, and I mean that as a sign of just like absolute like tip of the cap to Ed Solomon and to Steven Serber. Sure. Like this is. I am always like, don't insult the intelligence of the audience. And this is like, boy, you guys must have some fucking smart guys in the audience. Because yes, the, I, there's no hand holding. Yeah, there's no e- hand holding on any of it. And also I think there's like there's some stuff that's just like just go with it. And there's also some stuff that's like, I don't really understand the vagaries of the postal inspection service or, you know, uh what's going on the, with the Mahabir like crime family. And what's going on with Chef Jeff? I'm enjoying all of it, but yeah. In th- in that second episode, I think if you just watch like the Oliphant driving around, being freaked out, and finding out that he was late, and he obviously has some sort of secondary secret that he's thinking about, like that's that's all you really need.
0: I would also say that in in like if I had a personal crime family rankings, the Mahabir's would be up very high because I love a two a.m. champagne party. <laughs> You know, like that was just a wild vibe for the middle of the morning, yeah. or like that was <laughs> yeah, that was pretty chill, yeah um I think it's interesting. we talked a lot about Soderbergh and his inimitable style, and particularly like this run that he's on, and I think run is the right word because he's just he's a shooter, you know he's just he's just filming stuff and, and going through story. This is not fair to make as a blanket statement because he's made so many things in so many genres, and you you can't really hold up. I mean, there are many things in common, but I wouldn't hold up um, traffic and the informant and say that they're just one guy shooting stuff. He, he, he pays attention to the type of stories that he's telling. That said, one of the things that I find interesting, and it might be, so, it might be slightly discordant to people watching it, is that Soderbergh is just run and gunning the show, and he's shooting it in a very like, hyper-real, it's a nighttime in New York style. Yes, Solomon is a little bit more of a stylist um, in the way that he writes, and so sometimes the humor in the show feels like, wait, what? Like the camera's almost racing past it. Yeah. Or the kind of, um, like, like, uh, for example, like there's a Z beats character whose name is, I believe, Melanie Harmony
1: mm-hmm. is, it's, isn't it Melody Harmony?
0: Oh, Melody. Yeah. No. Oh, it's, is it Harmony also?
1: Harmony is her last name.
0: Her name is Melody Harmony. I believe so. See, I was just, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, Everything about her is just so extra. The way that she behaves professionally, which is legitimately insane that she breaks up with her girlfriend to do a unsupervised stakeout yeah. of a potentially major crime. And her approach to the stakeout is to illegally park <laughs> and then immediately get a, um, some sort of, uh, uh, hero sandwich and a, um, Rum raisin ice cream. Cone. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it too.
1: It's all the details.
0: It is the detail. This is what I love. But I'm just trying to like almost devil's advocate. Be like, it's really. It is just. I like this. Yeah. But I think it's interesting the way Soderbergh never pauses to like wink, wink that this is a this is a little bit of extra extra here. Right. You know what I mean? No, just, I know what you mean. He, he's just he's just running it all through the fuck it. We're making a thriller, fast and loose. Uh, filter.
1: I'm still in this. Oh, uh, this one's I'm also om, only I think six episodes, so yeah. it's like the summer of of limited, limited kind of t- time investments. Um, why don't we wrap it up there? Do you carry an extra phone charger? Yeah, I do. Smart. I think I have two in my bag right now. Can I borrow one? Um, on Thursday's show, mm-hmm. why don't we do this? Okay, we'll talk a little bit about Justified, and maybe we'll yeah. have a broader conversation about our guy Elmore Leonard because for as much as Justified the series was drawn from Elmore Leonard's fiction. I think it really took on its own identity. Uh, City Primeval, which I believe airs Wednesday, is in some ways a return to Leonard, and it is like a marriage of the justified sensibility with the Leonard Detroit crime sensibility, and also it's been updated for 2023. So there's a lot of different things happening there. Um, I have watched a little bit of it. I think people will be very happy with it when they see it um, so I can't wait to talk about that with you anything else I'm excited okay
0: also look out I'm in I'm into movies I'm <laughs> so back. what's next for you I, I think I think I'm gonna see that movie about uh, the most important figure of the mid 20th century who changed everything it's coming out Barbie
1: Oppenheimer. all right uh, thank you to Kai for producing us today and uh, we'll be back on Thursday